Well, if you have a Bible with you, we're um, having a look at 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10. I'm grateful for the fact that we're not looking at the previous eight verses, which are filled up, if you've got a Bible, with names kind of this long, that all look as if they're kind of anagrams, really, in their own right. I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce any of those whatsoever. What I am going to do is just read these couple of verses uh, out in the context of tonight's theme, which is when it's okay to want the very best. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And that's... Uh, about halfway through the Old Testament, page 405 in one of the church Bibles that I've got, if that's of any help to you. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him his request. Now if you look at verses 1 to 8 and then verses 11 uh, onwards towards uh, uh, verse 23, you've got I don't know how many names where all you've got listed is that name. And then right in the midst of that, you've got these couple of verses that reflect the prayer of this guy called Jabez. That's all we know about him. But it's more than the rest of the names either side. So whatever the the writer of Chronicles was trying to flag up, listing all the importance of this historical fact of the names and this person, this person, this person, then he pauses when he gets to Jabez because something has struck a chord with the writer. But beyond that, that's obviously Holy Spirit inspired God's word for you and for me as we look at his word this evening. What a bad start this poor guy uh, actually had. It's a very short and quite an unusual uh, prayer, but thankfully it's with a good um, ending. The writer, as I mentioned, couldn't brush over uh, Jabez. He pauses and it's as if... uh, that. I know sometimes, I don't know if anybody's into shopping. I'm not really into shopping uh, in a big way at all. But if you're there with your other half, imagine that it's been put up on the, the notice board in the kitchen that, well, we're going to go shopping all day. And if you're anything like me, your heart would sink at the prospect. And you're going here, then you go in there, and you're flying here, flying there, flying here. But then amidst of the whole day, there's and then a part of the day that for a solid hour is just focused in one particular shop, in one particular area of maybe bags or shoes or something equally not interesting to me. But there's that special focus and then the rest of the day continues. That's kind of the picture that I've got here as you go through 1 Chronicles chapter 4 where it's all these names, all these names, but then suddenly, out of nowhere, there's this huge focus on these two verses. There was something about this little known man. It was his prayer, but it is God's word. 
So I just want us to unpack a little bit of that as we think about uh, the, the positives of you and me maybe bringing uh, that, uh, uh, that prayer to God about wanting his very best. If you were here this morning, that was quite a challenging thing where we were wrestling with does God ever say no uh, to our prayers? And if he does, well, when does he say no? And we kind of went through what at the beginning was a bit of a tick box thing where you think, oh, I get that, I get that, I get that. But then when the rubber hits the road, each of us have got those things that we struggle when we don't get the yes from God. Maybe in a relationship that we want to be rescued and we don't get an answer. Maybe a family member that we've longed to see come to faith and it doesn't appear to happen. And you can, you can list the different things that are maybe uh, lying dormant within that have been struggles uh, for us. And uh, that was a, a tough one this morning. So this is a little bit more positive, if you like, as Jabez is pray, praying a very positive uh, prayer. Some of it you may well think, well, at first glance, isn't that a bit of a selfish prayer? Well, hopefully we'll see otherwise. Firstly, don't settle for what you've got. Don't settle for what you've got. We can be tempted to think, can't we, that whatever it is that we've got, that's all we're ever going to get. Maybe we can feel that our circumstances, the way we were brought up, can act as a bit of a disadvantage to us. Others have it easier. Jabez was brought up in a world where your name was incredibly significant. And uh, very often it was uh, alluded to as some sort of prophetic uh, sign of, of something occurring over uh, your life. Well, Jabez, the name literally means pain. Now, I don't know whether you like your name or not like your pain. But imagine, uh, nay, but imagine if you'd been Jabez and you were given the name pain. Well, imagine being at school. Teacher is there at the front of the school saying, right, uh, Derek... Uh, Julie, Brenda, if you can come over here, please. Uh, Colin, Timothy, yeah, and Florence, if you can be in the middle. And Payne, you're with me. I mean, not exactly a very nice name uh, to be carrying around with you. I wonder what he would have gone through, the flack maybe in the playground. Our background, of course, can either make or break us. Our experiences can either make or break us. You will know that's true and you will know that that's true in some of the the people that you know. We see that all the time, uh, don't we? We can either use our background and our experiences and our, our DNA of the way we were brought up as an excuse for how we are or maybe as motivation that things for us are going to be different. I've mentioned before about the fostering that uh, I've done for about 17 years now. And uh, foster children can grow up in one of two different ways, it strikes me, where, where um, we can understand or appreciate some of that trauma that very often can lead those young people to, to just never seem to, to be able to be in a position where they ever really make it because they're carrying so much pain from the past. Others, and I've known this breakthrough to be true, where despite the past, they say, but that is not going to happen to me. With support, with love and caring and around them, they make certain decisions at certain times where life is able to be different. And each of us have that opportunity to think, well, despite whatever has gone on before, actually for me, I want that to be different. Jabez had the name pain. 
that sense of what was almost prophetically poured onto him as a person when he was brought into this world. And regardless of the ridicule or otherwise that he was brought up with, he wasn't going to settle for that. We know that's true from the way that he prayed. He cried out to God, the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm that I will be free from pain. So what was the essence of his, pray, his prayer? Well, firstly, we can see that he wanted God's best. It can sound a little bit uh, selfish. Bless me, me, me. As if that's there as his first request. But he was literally craving God's best for himself. The Hebrew edition of uh, uh, indeed would be like our adding five exclamation marks or writing it in bold pen. That's one of the, the translations. All oh, that you might bless me indeed. And you can imagine that being written out, the exclamation marks. We get that sense of emphasis. God, I, I long for you to bless me. Would you be gracious? Would you be merciful? Would you bless me? Asking God to bless is a big prayer, not a weak one. It was interesting when we met, and David will um, remember this, that we had a, a recent elders meeting. And we often start after a time of encouragements with asking whether or not there's anything that people have got that uh, they feel that God has brought uh, on their heart. And one of the guys said, well, I've been really struck about this whole series that we're looking at on prayer and trying to think about uh, the way we might create or develop a, a, a deeper and more effective prayer culture within the life of the church and he was saying and within my own life and he's been really struck by the power that there is in asking for God to bless certain individuals when someone sneezes that's you we say oh bless you and that can kind of like act as a minimizing of of the word to to bless can't it or maybe we receive something and we say, oh, well, bless you. But we're not really meaning, bless you. God bless you. May God bless you. And it was quite a powerful conversation to see, and maybe in our own dialogue that we might have, that we might maybe introduce something of the power that there is in those words. Tough times, maybe the length that we've been a Christian or unanswered prayer, maybe limit us for, for asking God for more or for bigger. We can uh, feel that if we don't ask, well, maybe the, well, then we won't get disappointed. Jabez is asking God that he might be blessed. It's reasonable, we may well feel, to uh, shy away from such big prayers. But God's wanting us to really seek out his heart. And his blessing, I believe, as well. Want God's best. That's what Jabez did. Secondly, oh, that we might seize the opportunity. Oh, that you might bless me and that you might enlarge my territory. And again, that sounds a little bit of a selfish thing at first uh, glance. Isn't that a little bit like asking for a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger uh, this, that and the other? What about being content? which the New Testament would tend to speak of quite a bit. For Jabez, uh, in his culture, land was linked with blessing. The larger your land, the more people would take note of who you were, but the more people you were able to influence and your opportunity for, uh, uh, to impact those for good. Given that context, 
Maybe the question for us is, is there greater potential for us in terms of for what we have or got or what we do? Or are we content to just always have that same level of influence? We ought to always be longing to seek to influence more people, didn't we? With that which God has placed within us. We're mentioning that this morning, the opportunity that we've got uh, this coming Wednesday uh, up at the fire station. The fire station have traditionally had a kind of like a, uh, a carol singing and a, and a Christmas uh, knees up by all account. And, and they've involved the, the uh, fire brigade uh, uh, chaplain to have an involvement in that. And Chris, Chris Warren has, has very brilliantly woven something together where it can be a little bit more than a social get together. Uh, and last year, I think Chris and I, because he involved myself in that last year, we expected about 20 or so uh, to turn up. And there's about 150. <laughs> but what an opportunity. What an opportunity. Now, that which we created last year was completely inappropriate because it was bedlam everywhere. Uh, we'd invited Dame of School uh, to have a group of them come and sing. And that was great. Of course, they brought brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunties. And so in the midst of all of this, we think, what an opportunity Enlarge that sense of territory, God, for the sense of influence that we might have. Pray for that opportunity uh, on Wednesday. I don't know if you've ever been up to the uh, the fire station. It is a massive warehouse kind of thing, obviously, to get all these big engines in there. Well, when you're trying to communicate anything with a group of people, well, y- your voices are going to be quite quickly kind of lost, particularly with the din of lots of children. But it's an opportunity. We're seeking to do something different. And we hope that in seizing the potential that that offers, that maybe, just maybe, God might do something by way of influence or impact on people's lives. Do pray for that. Whenever people come to an event, we've already had Gerald pray for the different opportunities here uh, that we've got. And, uh, and I would like to say that uh, there was this uh, nicely um, prepared leaflet advertising all the stuff that we're doing over Christmas. Unfortunately, I went and got a couple of the dates wrong, so they've all had to be uh, redone. Uh, but that was a bit, uh, bit of a shame. My fault. But what an opportunity to invite someone to one thing. And in them coming to that one thing... We will always, at any outreach event, give people an opportunity to hear about something else that we're doing. It's about seizing the potential that there is for something else, or for something else, or for something else, what might be. And maybe, just maybe, that was behind the prayer of Jabez as well. The biggest hindrance, maybe, when we think about our own influence is maybe uh, not our lack of ability, but our lack of a real belief in God's ability. Sometimes that'd be the case for me. Seize the potential. But next, let's rely on God and not on ourselves. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. I don't do not coping, someone uh, supposedly strong might say can be another way of saying, actually, I I don't need God. I can do all this on my own. Thank you very much. In our world of seeking to be independent and discovering the, 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 the new you or the real you and how you can stand on your own two feet, that all sounds quite positive thinking, but it creates subliminally, doesn't it, that sense of a no need in God. Bottom line is, we do need 
a God, don't we? There was uh, uh, an incident um, at, I better be careful because this is being recorded, uh, this week, where there was a great opportunity. I know uh, John and Val were there. Great opportunity uh, that was taken very well. And within that opportunity, um, there was something quite unfortunate that occurred with one of the uh, individuals that was taking part that collapsed. And 999 was needing to be called. But because of the context for that and the ethos of that occasion, it would have probably been inappropriate to pray. It wasn't a church-run event, if you understand what I'm saying. But without the being able... To go to God, I think we all felt a bit of a loss. About, there's something missing. There's something missing. To just do it all in our own strength or be on our own or rely on 999 in this occasion isn't enough, is it? It would have been so natural and so right, given another context, to have been able to turn to God in prayer. To say, God, would your hand be placed upon this particular person here at this particular time doubtless numbers of christians were silently praying i don't doubt that whatsoever but it did strike me there's something completely the opposite here with jabez as he's crying out for god's hand to be upon him everything in how we're taught to parent of course is to encourage our children to become independent Yet God seems to point us towards dependency, dependency upon him. And that, I think, is a positive thing and a sign of our maturity. We know we can't go it alone, don't we? When tough times come, there's nowhere else I can go. Praise God that there is one that we can come to. Because sometimes we're bereft of ideas or wisdom as to what to do, aren't we? There's nowhere else that we can go. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 and said not that we are competent to claim anything for ourselves but our competence comes from God. What about the amazing growth of the church that we read through the book of Acts? We read in Acts 11 verse 21 it was the hand of the Lord that was with them. Don't we desperately need God's hand to be upon us? It's not about having the best ideas or, or the best sound system or speaker or publicity or Christmas tree or whatever it may well be. If we've got God's hand upon us on our lives individually or upon us as a church, in essence we don't need anything else other than our cooperation and our willingness to respond in obedience Jabez knew that for spiritual success he needed the hand of the Lord upon him. What might that mean for you? If you were to pray or covet that sense of God may your hand be upon me. Well very often when uh, the apostles were placing their hands upon believers. There was that sense of God responding and people receiving this incredible infilling of the Holy Spirit. Certainly people's lives were never the same again. You see throughout the Old Testament when God's hand was placed upon certain people at specific moments in time. Think of Gideon, the hand of the Lord being upon him. Change man, change situation. Oh that we might know the hand of the Lord upon us 
Maybe it equates with our own pleading for a refilling of that Holy Spirit. God, would your hand be upon me? May you refill me to overflowing. Would you fill in the gaps that there are? Why? Because, God, I leak, was what one of our forefathers once said. We need that thirst, don't we? Sometimes over time, that thirst for God could go. Why not make that then a starting point? God, would you give me back the thirst first? And then when the thirst is there, God, would you now quench my thirst, my thirst? The good thing about the God that we worship is he delights to start with wherever it is that we are. I'm very grateful for that, aren't you? It's an importance in ourselves, maybe thinking about that, about where other people are at as well. Sometimes we like to start off where we want people to end up, as opposed to where the individual actually is right now. Think about that. Great that everybody might well have an understanding of John 3.16 and seek to then get baptised the following week and then go and serve and everything else. But life is really like that. What is the starting point of your daughter or of your son or of your next door neighbour or of the person you're going to be stood next to in the supermarket queue this week? that you might begin to just connect with them where they are at. Maybe secretly praying as well. God, would you bless this person? And would your hand be upon them? I wonder what God might do in response to that prayer. I feel I've got a long way to go. Oh, that you might bless me and enlarge my territory, Jabez prayed. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm. So I will be free from pain. Keep me from harm. Sometimes we can say to one another, can't we? Oh, stay safe. Maybe somebody's been round uh, to yours for, for a meal. They're about to, about to go and you say, oh, drive carefully, drive safe. Oh, thanks for that. My goodness me, I was going to try so hard to drive unsafely and uncarefully. Why do we say that? We say it because we care, don't we? We want people to be safe. We want people to be protected. God cares and wants us to stay safe. Much here, I guess, is down to our own decision-making about what we do, where we go and who we're with. Asking God to keep us free from harm is probably a lot better than actually asking him to protect us when we're in the middle of being harmed. Prevention is better than cure, is a phrase that we may well use from time to time. Asking God to keep us free from temptation is better than asking for him to help us resist when we are tempted or have indeed fallen. The safest place for us to stay is the furthest away from the edge of the cliff, isn't it? That involves us doing our part. I heard a story once of a very posh lady that was looking for a new chauffeur. And, uh, and she used to, she lived at the top of a mountain. You may well have uh, heard this story before, but it uh, bears repetition, I think. And she was looking for an expert new chauffeur that was able to drive her safely up to the top of this hilltop where she lived. And with each of the three candidates that applied for the post, she asked them the same question. 
I want to know how close you can get to the edge without endangering my life. Oh, said the first driver, I've been driving for years. With me, no trouble at all. I could actually drive up to a, a foot of the edge of the cliff and with me you'd be quite safe. Wow, that's impressive, she said. Candidate number two came in. Oh, he said, I can better that. I could get you within four inches of the edge of the cliff and with me you would be quite safe all the way up. Wow, that is even more impressive, she said. Candidate three, madam, he replied. If you were to give me the post, I would make sure I would stay as far away from the edge of the cliff as possible so that you were as safe as possible. And there's something very poignant within that story that I think is easier for us to remember than just maybe the brief bit that is alluded to here from Jabez as he says, keep me from harm that I will be indeed free from pain. Whether or not there was something in his name that had prophetically come true in terms of physical ailments or a mental illness, we don't know. We have no idea whatsoever. But alongside that being a prayer, and that's an obviously an okay prayer, we need to do our bit as well, don't we? To play ball with God and cooperate and make sure we're putting ourselves in maybe the right places. Well, what a prayer. I don't know if you've actually turned up uh, that chapter 1 Chronicles chapter 4. But sometimes God tries to capture our attention. In the midst of maybe an area where it may well be that we might otherwise have just seen a list of names and been tempted to skirt over those list of names and to turn to the next chapter. And yet here amidst all that historical record and valuable uh, historical account, the buttons pause when we get to the name Jabez because of the man he became. And because of his prayer, short prayer is all we've got written here. But this is God's word as well for you and for me. Let's remind ourselves of it again. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Oh, that you might bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. So that I will be free from pain and God granted him his request may God grant yours and mine too as we pray together let's pray